don't you know people die for your vote when they talk to young people and berate them no people did not die for their vote people died fighting for freedom and liberation that is a big difference community organizer kofi adamola voting is a tool idealistically when people cast their vote they are voting for an issue and they're voting for building political power. Chicago Urban League Senior Executive Kamada Coleman. African Americans make up one of the largest voting blocks in Chicago, which means many of us have taken the step to register to vote. But too many of us remain silent when it's time to make our voices heard. At a time when our conversations are as polarized as they've ever been, we must exercise our political power. Dear Black Voter, I'm Calmetta Coleman, Senior Vice President of External Affairs for the Chicago Urban League. Local and state elections matter. And if you're not voting with knowledge, you're not voting with power. Welcome to our series on voter education. It's time you had a seat at the table. Pull up a chair. Your host, Doma T. Pongo. In recent weeks and months, we've been talking about how young people have been able to mobilize, how effective they've been at it. We haven't seen a lot of this political action translate into people going out to the polls. Right now we're talking to Kofi Adamola, an organizer with Black Lives Matter. Let's let's just start with the basic question. Why aren't young people voting? Why are we only seeing 3% of millennials voting in the Illinois primary? Why is that happening? Yeah, well, first and foremost, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure with talking with you and you getting straight to the meat of the in the heart of the issues. Um, first, let me start off by saying that, as usual, like I always kind of say, right, I'm a prison and police abolitionist. Um, I'm a firm believer that we need a new system that is socialist, that is egalitarian and I just don't believe democracy can function or even be considered democracy in a capitalist economy, uh, especially a stratified racial hierarchy version of capitalism that we see. Um, So I I just wanted to preface that because for me, that kind of like gives us that historical lens, especially for, for black and brown people and specifically black people that have only been in the voting game, you know, during Reconstruction and then after Jim Crow in 1965, right? right. So that, that's a very short time period that we've been involved with the, the political system. Um, so we always have to keep that in mind and have that analysis uh, when we talk about, you know, voting, because young people, especially around the civil rights time, again, they, you know, I I really have a problem when people say, don't you know people die for your vote when they talk to young people and berate them? No, people did not die for their vote. People died fighting for freedom and liberation. That is a big difference. Um, voting is a tool, a tool idealistically in a system that is fair and balanced means that when people cast their vote, they are voting for an issue and they're voting for building political power. So that means they're informed, they're educated, and they're organized. I can't say that to be true with the current system that we have. So when you ask about young people being involved with voting, I guess that makes me ask the question, how well informed are they about the system of voting, first and foremost? 
And then how well informed are they about the system of politics here in Chicago, here in Illinois, and then on a national, you know, federal level? That to me is really where one would start when inquiring about the three percent voter turnout, you know, because we can we can speculate and say it's apathy and we can say that, you know, people are dissatisfied because of the Trump regime and you know, we, we can kind of make a, lo- a lot of assumptions around that, but not to be too anecdotal, but just from working with young people directly around some of these issues, for me, what I've discovered is a lot of young people just don't know, and it's at no fault of their own. Civics, political analysis just isn't tied into their curriculum. They're, they're not learning this in the classroom. If they're fortunate, they have a social studies teacher or a teacher focused in social justice that may, you know, play around the surface of some of these issues and help them unpack a lot of these things. But typically across the board, people aren't being politicized. So they get into college. And when you all you have to worry about is passing a constitution test, you know, when you're in grammar school to get to, you know, transition into high school it's theoretical and it's not tangible. It's not a part of your lived experience. Um, so when you have a people that are disconnected from how politics plays a role in their life, it's if it's this background noise that they aren't able to connect to why they don't have the services that they deserve, why they're existing but not living, why they don't have a high quality of life. and have the resources they need in their community, if they're not able to connect that back to the political aspect of that, yeah. then, that then that disconnect is there. Yeah, and even among, you know, those of us who consider ourselves versed enough on these issues, it's even hard to succinctly connect those dots, right? Like, even watching the documentary 13th, mm-hmm. I think it did a great job of telling us how the prison industrial complex was related to the political process. Yep. Not always easy to do that in two sentences when you're talking to someone. Yep. So how do we break down these complex ideas about how systemic oppression works and how the civic and how civic engagement can flip that on its head? And how do we translate to that that to someone who will be who's 16 now yeah. but will be vo- voting in 2 years? Yeah. It, what what's the best way to do that? How can we tell them your condition is such that it is because of this policy? And here's how you can fight that policy at the polling place. Is there an easy way to do that? I wouldn't say it's easy, but I think we start with the truth. <laughs> and as odd as that may seem, I think that's where we have to begin with, with truth, with transparency, uh, and not sort of romanticizing the voting process and, you know, what transformative effect that that can have. Right, right. And there's truth in examining history. And young people appreciate when you stay honest with them about what's possible and what's not possible. So for me, again, I like using history as a tool. And 
a lot of times adults, when they think about history, they think it's convoluted or boring or that young people just won't be interested in it. Mm -hmm. But it's about whose story you're telling and what version of history you're presenting. If you're, pre if you're presenting the sanitized version of Dr. King, yeah, that's boring. <laughs> but if you're talking about Dr. King that was with the Vice Lords and with the GDs and with, you know, the Stones, you know, fighting for housing rights and fighting for police accountability, that's a different story. And that mm -hmm. makes somebody like, wait a minute, I, I want to hear about that. What's, what's that about? If you, if you find out that both Mayor Daley Sr. and Richard Nixon, who was president at the time, declared a war on gangs and put policy out that intentionally disenfranchised communities and, you know, harm black and brown working class folks, shorty draw to that. They're like, you know, what's that about? And then you can connect that to what Rom and what Trump is doing now. Young people, they ears to that. And they, they want to know. They, they thirst for more. They want to unpack more. They want to learn more. So it's really about that education piece, making it accessible for young folks, putting mm -hmm. it in, in a way that they can unpack it and understand it, and showing them the steps on how to get involved with that movement. Like you said, there's so many young people activated now because of what happened with the Parkland students. Uh, and now black and brown students able to sort of recapture that narrative and say, well, we've been dealing with this, you know, gun violence in particular, you know, all the time. Mm -hmm. this, this traumatic experience just isn't sort of a one time thing like a school shooting. But we deal with death every day, day in and day out. And now they're understanding that it isn't just an interpersonal thing, that it isn't just a homie. They got into it with an op and that just played out the way it did, but that there were factors that played into that and part of those factors is a political machine that is intentionally neglected divested and marginalized and incarcerated their community so now that they get a, a better understanding of that they they're mad first and foremost you know you agitate you educate and you organize that's what Kwame Torre taught us so the young people understand that there's a problem and now they're getting a better analysis about it now they're saying what do we do talk about in what ways you think the voting process has been romanticized because a lot of people talk about voter disillusionment and you can't be disillusioned unless you had an unrealistic idea of something in the first place and then you're let down basically it just means disappointed yeah. right so in what ways have we overly romanticized the voting process that once you vote, you are locked into being responsible for the policy that this elected official put out. So for everybody who didn't vote for Hillary or voted for Bernie instead, they should feel the heavy <laughs> load of everything wrong that Trump is doing, right? So this kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, narrative around voting um and it's very simplistic right so it's not a, it's not informing folks on how do you you know how do you lobby how do you organize how do you you know take masses of people down to springfield or down to city hall or down to dc to get in these politicians face and make sure that they are being held accountable 
and that they're writing policy, they're writing legislation. Like people are so disconnected from the process beyond voting. I think that's very problematic. But also going into that voting booth, you know, I've had a couple of young people that were proud that they voted this year and, you know, were so ecstatic. But they all had a shared narrative of being nervous, of being feeling like they just didn't have enough information. Like I knew who the state's attorney were or they'd say I knew who to vote for for the governor. But I didn't know all these other positions. I didn't know the treasurer. I didn't know, you know, anything else. I didn't know who these people were. And they felt like they did an excellent job of trying to educate themselves. And, and that in itself showed them how disempowering it was because they're just checking off names, mm. people they don't know. It's mm. a gamble. So how do, you, how do you tell people that they're doing the right thing when the very process itself seems so far removed from their, their experiences? Right. I want to push back on one piece, the damned if you do part. Mm -hmm. So you've got people who said, okay, you know, Hillary Clinton has been in Chicago in recent weeks. She was just speaking at the Sheridan Grand Hotel in Chicago uh, to a number of African-American women who are um, poised to get involved in politics, right? And if you look at the conversations on Twitter, it's like, I can't believe she's in town and people are actually rallying behind her when her husband is responsible for putting so many African-Americans in prison. Mm -hmm. That's the damned if you do, right? So it's mm -hmm. so, so these people are saying, don't vote for Hillary, mm -hmm. but don't vote for Trump, mm -hmm. but don't vote for Bernie because Bernie has said some problematic things and he doesn't support reparations. Mm -hmm. And don't vote for it, don't vote for it, don't vote for it. Yeah. How do you reconcile this voting for lesser of two evils mm -hmm. idea to young people and at the same time allow them and teach them that voting is a tool, mm -hmm. but basically telling them that every single nail you hit is problematic? Yeah. Well, again, it, I'm always going to go back to education. If we can't help young people, and not just young people, you know, th this is an intergenerational problem. We yeah, that's a question the, I have. <laughs> we, can't, we can't put the burden on just young people. But if, if we aren't teaching people how to create an agenda and how to push for their agenda, because that, that's what you see with other interest groups, right? You know, People don't have loyalty to a particular personality or an elected official. It's about pushing their agenda. So if, you know, I'm I'm organizing other voters to make sure that certain legislation goes through and I know that this particular elected official, uh, we can leverage them to do so despite us having, you know, different political ideology, that doesn't matter. That becomes, you know, that's a moot point. Moot point. Yeah. Exactly. So we have not educated our young folk and just our people in general. Um, and, it, and again, I, I don't want to put all the onus on this this myopic we. Right. But I do uh -huh. want to put the onus on that our our systems that we have in place, our institutions do not prepare a well-informed citizenry. Um, so that that's first and foremost. But. Also, I want to say that that sort of abstinence, that disconnection also speaks volumes. So, you know, how le legitimate is a system if everyone divested from it? You know, that's a question we don't ask. Right. So now on the way to the November election, I think you gave us a few nuggets that we're talking about really 
getting people engaged, voter education, but at a level where people are truly interested in. What are those stories about these political leaders that we hear about that we don't know these details about? What do we know about Martin Luther King when he marched on the West Side? And who did he meet with? Did he meet with the vice lords, the GDs? And what were those meetings like? What did they talk about? Mm -hmm. And how can that uh, reinvigorate people who come from these neighborhoods who might not wear suits and ties, but still have something to, to add to the political process? civic engagement on that level along those those same lines mm-hmm. and then having people mobilize around an agenda so that even if your candidate doesn't get elected you're yep. not disillusioned because you know that you have a platform and an agenda that you're fighting for regardless of who's in office that's right um yep. so moving forward as people are getting set up and 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 candidates are mobilizing and activists are mobilizing in November 2018 uh, it's a time we're looking at where it's going to be a pivotal year for not only Chicago, Cook County, but the state of Illinois and the country in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you're thinking about and what are some actions uh, that you're taking with your young people? And for the folks listening to Dear Black Voter, how can they support those initiatives? Well, one thing we're really looking at is with the uh, attorney general. So right now, Lisa Madigan is holding these community meetings around the consent decree and that is happening at the same time that um, the Campbell case that, you know, Black Lives Matter, Brighton Park, um, you know, Northwestern law uh, kind of created around justice for families, the families that have been directly impacted by um, police violence. And then you have the ACLU in line, you know, specifically advocating for uh, disabled folks that have been impacted by police violence. So I say that to say that once Lisa Madigan is out of office, more than likely Kwame Raul is going to step into that space. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that means how can we build up, you know, some some momentum around making sure that he knows that he's going to be held accountable. The same thing with, um, you know, JB. I'm personally not a fan of JB. Um, he's very problematic in a lot of ways, uh, you know, just his family, just, you know, a lot of things that they've done that I can't even begin to like unpack and get into right now. But I think we push an agenda where we have serious conversations around reparations. You know, what are you going to do to invest in black and brown communities? Really? You know, what are you going to do to fully fund our schools? Um, what are you going to do to get rid of the property tax system? You know, if you're going to do a progressive tax, well, you know, what, what are you going to do to make sure you really do that? So I think these are the things that we need to pay attention to and move forward with, because it's all about harm reduction. You know, at the end of the day, these people aren't going to do anything that's going to undermine their power and under, undermine their dynasties and their money. Um, but they will throw out you know, concessions to us. You know, that's what the system is. It's a game of repression and concession. So we have to do as much as possible so our people can prosper and eat uh, because we're getting pushed out of Illinois. We're getting pushed out of Chicago. And if our numbers dwindle, then they really don't care about us. If they don't see us as a, an important voting block, then, you know, they're they're really going to overlook us and disenfranchise and displace us even more. So part of a tool because voting is a tool to fight back against the gentrification the divestment is to build up political power push an agenda and make sure that you know 
we are doing the best amount of harm reduction we can by holding these elected officials accountable and making sure that they're writing legislation just for our particular needs. Thank you for listening to a segment from our biweekly series, Dear Black Voter. We invite you to check out our show notes and voter resources at coldpodcast.com. And don't forget to rate us and leave your comments on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the League and to find out how you can get involved and support our work, please visit our website at thechicagourbanleague.org.